Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 1, A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 20 is entitled, My Burden is Light. The text today is taken from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The last three verses of Matthew chapter 11 are extremely moving. They are deceptively succinct, yet contain an encyclopedia of knowledge. One feels almost as if he were sitting at the Savior's feet, looking into his majesty. The three verses contain eleven primary propositions. If we take each assertion one at a time, we can see that Christ is clearly at the center. Come unto me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek. I am lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Christ also clearly defines his audience. All ye that labor, all ye that are heavy laden. To labor generally refers to hard physical labor, not a difficult task. To be heavy laden generally refers to an emotional, physical, or spiritual burden that one wants to get rid of. Though we all share the human experience, we are all different in how we respond to burdens. Addictions, financial crisis, illness, guilt, death of a loved one, the list is too long. Christ, getting at the very heart of the suffering of all mankind, promises, Ye shall find rest unto your souls. The soul of man is comprised of both the body and the spirit. Labor refers to the body. Heavy laden refers to the spirit. If we come unto Christ... Christ promises that both the body and the spirit will find eternal rest. Each of us, of course, must read the verses in our own way, yet they can never be read the same way twice. They expand into the experience of the moment. Scripture is a healing liquid that fills the seams and cracks of our lives and bonds them together, making us whole. While John the Baptist is in prison awaiting execution, Christ receives a message from two of John's disciples. John, just before he is beheaded for serving Christ, asks, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? The Savior's answer demonstrates the art of a master teacher. Rather than simply saying yes, Christ speaks to John in John's own language. John, the foreordained forerunner of Christ, clearly knows all the scriptures referring to the Messiah. Jesus reminds him of those scriptures. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, 
the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That was all that John needed. He died with the final witness of Christ's divinity. Jesus, knowing that John was going to die, said of John, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. In bearing witness of John, Jesus is declaring his own divinity, teaching the multitudes that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, foretold by the prophets from the beginning. Jesus quotes scripture, verifying that John the Baptist was the Elias who was to come and prepare the way for Christ. John the Baptist is an amazing example. Thinking of his service gives enormous meaning to the words labor and heavy laden. John the Baptist from his birth was ordained a prophet. He labored his entire life preparing the people to receive the Messiah. Therefore, when Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, he is referring to those who labor for his sake, to those who are willing to give all that they have. When Christ said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, we again think of John in prison, awaiting his unjust execution at the hands of the evil Herod. John gave everything, yet, rather than an earthly reward, he is beheaded for Christ's sake. Yet Christ says a very strange thing. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of men, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. First, it is clear that Christ is speaking of himself. Christ was born in a stable, unnoticed by the world, raised by an obscure and very poor carpenter. The Son of God is least in the kingdom of heaven on earth, because up until he began his ministry, Few people actually knew who he was. In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Christ is trying to teach the people who he really is and what his divine mission really is. As we know, many of those multitudes abandoned him because they were looking for a different kind of Savior. In John 6, we read, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. 
At that time, Jesus was also told of his betrayal by Judas Iscariot. But there is also a second meaning to that statement. He that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Christ could very well be referring to the resurrection, particularly of those like John the Baptist and all other faithful followers throughout the history of the earth. I am referring to those who are given the seven promises spoken of by John, found in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. 1. Those who eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 2. Those who are not hurt by the second death. 3. Those who eat of the hidden manna, who receive a white stone with a new name written. 4. Those who receive the morning star. 5. Those who are clothed in white raiment, whose names are not blotted out of the book of life. 6. Those who are made a pillar in the temple of God, who shall go no more out, who have the name of God, who live in the new Jerusalem. 7. And finally, those whom he grants to sit with him in his throne, even as he sits with his Father in his throne. It is difficult to believe that those promises are for all men equally, even for the most humble disciples of Christ. The language of the Bible is highly poetic, and like all poetry, can be read on many levels. What does Christ mean, for example, when he said, My burden is light? On the one hand, Christ, who lived among us, facing all the temptations that we face, remained sinless. Therefore, his burden was light. He carried no guilt for personal sins. On the other hand, because he took upon himself our sins, our weaknesses, our guilt, and our sorrows, etc., he can entirely remove them from our shoulders, thus lightening our burden. He paid the price for our sins. However, he does not continue to carry our guilt, neither does he want us to. That entire process occurred in the Garden of Gethsemane within the space of a few hours. Paul teaches us the promise of the Savior. Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 10.16-17 This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. The purpose of the Holy Bible is to teach us the covenants the Lord made to the children of Israel. The covenants the Lord made to his saints during the time of Christ and his apostles are as binding to us today as they were when they were given. If we do not understand the covenants of the Bible, we do not understand the Bible. If, after true repentance, Christ has forgotten our sins, it follows that so should we. Christ has a free conscience before the Father all the time. The Garden of Gethsemane was a new experience because, for the first time, Christ, though guiltless, felt guilt, thus given the guiltless an understanding of guilt. There is no possible way we can understand what Christ suffered in Gethsemane that caused Christ to bleed at every pore. He felt the full weight of the law of justice for sins he never committed. Christ knew what was coming, and he dreaded it. He prayed to the Father. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That was not an idle prayer. We must assume that Christ meant exactly what he said. He is asking the Father if there is another way out. But there wasn't another way. The Son knew it, and the Father knew it. It was not possible to bring about the atonement of mankind unless Christ suffered the full weight of the law for us. The entire Old Testament led up to Gethsemane and the cross as well as the tomb and the resurrection. That is what the Mosaic law and the symbolism is all about. When Christ said, Not as I will, but as thou wilt, he gave the Father permission to allow him to suffer for our sins. The atonement could not have come about unless Christ willingly paid the price. Remember, Christ was sinless. Christ did not need to atone for his own sins, for he had none. His soul was not in jeopardy. He could have backed out at any time. Three times he pleaded with the Father that if it were possible to remove that burden from him, and three times he was rejected. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ carried the memory of our sins for he will be our judge. But he did not carry away from the garden the guilt of our sins. He left the burden there, for he had satisfied the law of justice. In our Gethsemane, we too must lay our burdens at the feet of Christ. When Christ left the garden, he had satisfied the penalty of the law of justice in overcoming spiritual death, and made the redemption of all mankind possible. When we leave our Gethsemane, we satisfy the law of mercy by leaving our sins at the feet of Christ and following the laws of Christ. Christ's burden is light because he took upon himself our sins, and we, if we repent, do not have to carry around the heavy weight of guilt. Christ's mission will not be complete until the final judgment. Yet, because the atonement is infinite, Christ will always be our Savior. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.